I don't know if you, um, anyone's aware of this, but the, uh, the Tour de France is going on at the moment. There we go, the Tour de France. Great idea to have a um, massive nationwide event in the middle of a uh, country that's spiking in COVID cases, isn't it? Um, no, I don't really have the motivation anymore, but I, I did used to be quite into the cycling and stay up late and uh, watch all the stages. Um, I reckon the part that's worth watching is, you might know them, those crazy mountain stages. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them. The cyclists have to climb up these kind of 2,000-metre-high climbs. They kind of go back and forth and back and forward. Uh, and they're in massive amounts of pain. All the lactic acid is building up. And I think the exciting part of watching uh, is watching to see who's going to crack under the pressure and who's going to be able to push through that pain barrier and get to the top of the climb. Well, over the next few weeks here at Trinity Church Brighton, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to take a few weeks out to uh, think about this topic of mission. And by that, we're talking about the idea that Jesus has commanded Christians to go and tell others about him. Um, We want others to know about Jesus. Uh, We want them to know about the gospel. We want them to become disciples. That's that's our mission at Trinity Church Brighton. Uh, And one thing that I think is true when it comes to evangelism, uh, as we might call it, mission, one thing that's certainly true is that telling others about Jesus, I think it involves a pain barrier. A pain barrier. Because if we're going to be the type of Christians who uh, tell others about Jesus, particularly the type of Christians who tell others that we want them to become Christians, uh, well, that's going to involve a little bit of pain. We might take some hits. It might be subtle things like maybe just being treated a little bit differently at work or uh, being left out of something. It might be smirks you get where you wear a, when you wear a Christian jumper at uni. It might be uh, some awkwardness in that relationship because of what you've said. Uh, it might be that telling others about Jesus causes real anger or, or offense even. I think as humans, when we realize that something is causing us pain, then it pretty quickly becomes a pain barrier for us. I don't, I don't like that awkwardness. I don't like that rejection. I, if I keep telling people about Jesus, it's just going to keep causing me more of this pain. So I might just stop doing it. It's like those cyclists climbing big mountains in the Tour de France. Once they've been riding for a while, their bodies start telling them, ah, this hurts. No, this is painful. I don't like this. Stop, slow down. Don't do this anymore. And so as we think about mission over the next few weeks, I want us to think about the question of why, why we do it. Because one thing I know is that um, with the Tour de France, it's, it's the mental game that is the most important. It's probably not the most important, is it? The most important is probably being really fit, maybe even artificially fit. But uh, when you're climbing one of these massive hills and your legs are screaming at you to stop, it's the mental toughness, I think, that really makes a difference. At Trinity Church Brighton, what's our mental game like when it comes to evangelism? What are our motivations that are going to make us push through that pain barrier and keep telling people about Jesus, even if it hurts a little bit? Why do we... Why do we do it? Why do we do it? That's what we're going to be thinking about over these next four weeks. Let me actually give you a little uh, quick sneak preview of where we're going to go. Sorry about these four C's, but this is what we're doing over the next four weeks. It kind of just happened. Um, Today, I want to ask, ask us whether we're convinced that the message we're sharing is true. Are we convinced that the message we're sharing is true? Uh, next week, we'll think about 
uh, whether we're confident in God's plan to save people. And we'll talk about this, but I reckon actually with everything that's happened in 2020, uh, people are asking maybe big questions, maybe more so than they have for a while. And I actually think there's a lot of hunger out there, uh, a lot of openness. And I think actually there's good reason to be optimistic that if we uh, share the gospel, we will see we will see fruit from that. So I think there's good reason to be confident. Uh, then in week three, we're going to uh, talk, ask whether we're whether we're conscious of spiritual realities, sorry, whether we're conscious of spiritual realities. Uh, and in the last week, we're going to ask whether, we're, whether we've got the courage to take opportunities uh, when they come. So they're just four things I've picked, and uh, we'll talk about each of those by looking at a story from the book of Acts, uh, like we are this morning. And I, I reckon if we can say yes to these four things, right? I think if at Trinity Church Brighton, we can say yes to these four things. Yes, we're convinced by the truth of the message. Yes, we're confident in God's sovereign plan. Yes, we're conscious of spiritual realities. And yes, we're courageous, ready to take opportunities. I I think we'll be a church on mission, I think. I think we'll be ready to push through that pain barrier and tell other people about Jesus. So I hope you come along and uh, ask those questions with me. Uh, And as a bit of a treat, by the way, you won't just be hearing from me over the next four weeks. Uh, We're going to be hearing from a few different people from uh, our community as we try and ground some of this stuff in real life. And uh, I've got the couches set up here. We're going to be interviewing someone from our community in uh, just a few minutes on and and hearing from their story, uh, which I'm I'm really looking forward to as well. So look forward to that. Uh, But before we do that, let me give you three points for this morning uh, for our topic today. Are we convinced by the truth of the message Uh, Number one, Peter, John, and the pain barrier. Number two, thinking about believing. And number three, the authenticated message. So there's our three points. So first, Peter, John, and the pain barrier. Uh, Thanks to Sally for doing that reading for us from Acts 3 and 4. From those who don't know, the book of Acts, uh, it's kind of a sequel to the book of Luke, which is the book we've been looking at the last few weeks here, actually. Um, Luke's all about the life of Jesus. And then you have Acts, uh, which is all kind of about what happened next essentially, uh, how Jesus' followers began their mission to spread the message of Jesus across the world. Uh, One thing I've found useful before when we come to approach the book of Acts is uh, just a couple of ways to think about it. Acts is not an instruction manual. Acts is not an instruction manual. It's not a, they did this, we should do exactly the same thing today. Uh, But at the same time, Acts is not an instruction manual, but neither is it a history textbook. Okay. Neither is it a history textbook. It is accurate history, of course, but it's, it's more than that. This is God's word, and we should expect it to speak to us today. It's not just something that happened in the past. And I think it does particularly have a lot to teach us about mission. Uh, other things too, but particularly it does have a lot to say about mission. So I think that's a good way to think of Acts. We're going to look at small, four snippets from the book of Acts over the next four weeks. Uh, this morning we're thinking about this saga involving Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples. Uh, We're in the book of Acts. It's been a few months since uh, Jesus ascended into heaven. They're in the city of Jerusalem. They heal this lame man, uh, and it causes some serious commotion. Um, Speaking of there being a pain barrier to telling other people about Jesus. After speaking about Jesus, Peter and John, uh, they're hauled before the officials. They're threatened, and they're told in no uncertain terms not to speak about Jesus anymore. They're not to do it. Of course, the easy option for Peter and John, the path of least resistance would be to listen to the officials and keep their beliefs to themselves. But Peter and John have no intention of being quiet. What do they say in chapter 4, verse 19? They say, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help speaking 
Peter and John are not going to let a little bit of pain stop them from talking about Jesus. And I think it begs the question, why? What, what is it about Peter and John that makes them so willing to keep talking about Jesus even when it hurts? I wonder if you ask that question of yourself in your head for just a second. Why are they so willing to cross the pain barrier and te- keep telling people about Jesus, uh, whatever the consequences, even after getting hauled before the officials and threatened? What means they keep going? I think there are probably a lot of things you could say, but I think actually probably the key is that they're absolutely convinced that the message they're sharing is true. They're convinced the message is true. They're convinced it's God's message. And so they keep sharing about Jesus. And so the question I really want us to ask today is, are are we convinced? Are you convinced that the message is true? Do you believe it? And, And come to think about it, what does it mean to be convinced by something anyway, if we dig into it for a little bit? And that brings us to, Point two, thinking about believing. What does, it actually, what does it actually mean to be convinced by something? I just want us to think about that for a little bit. Because I think, I mean, we know this, don't, they, don't we? Like there's, there's kind of a believing that, um, you know, we believe something, but it's kind of not quite as serious as, you know, believing. I really believe that, if you know what I mean. A difference between perhaps just a simple belief and the sort of belief that means we're ready to push through a pain barrier and tell other people about Jesus. One way we might like to talk about this kind of idea is to talk about um, something you might call thick and thin beliefs. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, thick and thin, thin beliefs. I was trying to kind of visualize what that means the other day and I'm kind of a visual person, so I found this helpful. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But um, if we say for a minute that this circle uh, is my collection of beliefs. Uh, now, within this circle, there'll be all sorts of different things we believe, right? So um, let me put this up. All sorts of little things. They're sort of these are the, the, the small, um, unimportant, uh, inconsequential maybe things that I believe they're thin. And so for me, I was trying to think about it, but it's kind of hard to think of your thin beliefs because they're not things that um, you really hold to too closely anyway. But I thought of, you know, I think peanut M&Ms are the best M&Ms. Um, I think Avatar is a terrible movie. Um, I think Ronaldo is better than Lionel Messi. Um, I think pasta is much better when you mix the sauce in rather than just having it on top. Um, I, I do believe all those things, and I could probably tell you why I believe those things, but they're not things that I've, I hold especially strongly to. I haven't really thought through those things. I could be wrong. I haven't really wrestled with those things. They're, they're thin beliefs, right? Thin beliefs. And then there's, there's, there's things I hold to a bit more strongly. Um, I believe that Porter better than the crows. Uh, and actually, that's not quite as arbitrary to me. I could probably talk to you for 15 minutes about why I think Porter better than the Crows. I could give you multiple reasons, you know, culture, history, roots in the community. I won't, I won't go on now because it's not a sermon about football. But, um, you know, another, another thing, I, I was throwing some stuff out this week and I thought, you know, I'm, I kind of believe in minimalism as a good thing. You know, I'm not quite Marie Kondo, but I, I'm not into like hanging on to a whole bunch of stuff that you're not going to use for years. Uh, they're kind of thicker beliefs. Because I've actually thought about them a little bit more and they actually impact my life in a few ways, if you know what I mean. And so the question is, the question is, when it comes to believing that the Bible is true and that Jesus is Lord, if if that's what you believe, how thick is that belief for you? How thick is that belief? You might believe the Bible, but are you convinced by it? Because I think if we're going to be the type of Christians who are willing to talk about our faith, even when it might hurt a little bit, I think our faith needs to look a little bit like this. It's a, it's a really thick belief. You've thought it through. You've meditated on it. You've wrestled with it. You've 
thought about the implications. And of course, you still might have questions and doubts, I think all of us do, but is your faith something you've thought through? Or is it the sort of faith that as soon as you experience a bit of pain, you push it aside because it's actually fairly inconsequential to who you are anyway? And, you know, when it comes to evangelism, if you're in the office this week and uh, someone makes a comment about uh, Christianity, it's just a bunch of fairy stories or something like that, if you've got a wrestled through faith, you've thought about that before, you're not going to be freaked out by a comment like that because you've wrestled with it yourself. You've, you've asked yourself that question and you've really asked yourself that question. What if, what, what if it is all fairy stories? So you might be able to answer helpfully. You're also not going to just blow them off because you actually, you know why someone might think that because you've asked that question yourself. Might be a similar thing, you know, maybe you're at the school drop-off and talking to another, another parent and they say, um, I just can't believe in the Bible because of all the miracles. I just can't believe that those things have really happened. If you've, if you've got a shallow faith, you might, you might not have a good answer. You might not have asked that question of yourself. Uh, but if you've wrestled with your faith, if you've got a thick belief where you've asked yourself those hard questions, you know, do I actually believe that miracles can really happen and, and did happen? And um, what if I didn't believe that? And you've thought through it and you've wrestled it. You're going to be able to respond to that person so much more helpfully, partly because you'll have a thought through answer, but also because you, you know why they're ans- you, you know why they're asking that, and you actually can put yourself in their shoes and you actually can say. Yeah, it's really hard to believe in miracles sometimes, isn't it? When you get up every morning and you put in your clock radio and it's all very normal. I read a quote that I quite enjoyed um, a few weeks ago. It's from a guy called Alan Noble. It's about this sort of stuff. He argues actually that it's really hard to have thick belief in the modern world. In 2020, it's really hard to have thick belief. Let me show you the quote. Um, Now, sorry, it is quite a kind of a wordy one. Um, So hopefully you can figure out what he's trying to say. He says, the distracted age discourages us from spending time on rich introspection. Deep questions require deep reflection. In some sense, being more prosperous has allowed Americans, he's he's American obviously, uh, to more effectively hide from their own thoughts. The problem occurs when antipathy towards sustained introspection and soul-searching, cultivated through habitual distraction, becomes a barrier for hearing the gospel. Reflection invites us to consider the contrary commitments we have in life but it requires time and attention, our scarcest resources. I don't know if you get the gist of what he's saying. It is a bit wordy, isn't it? He's, he's saying that if we want our faith to be a thick faith, a thought through faith, a wrestled with faith, uh, we actually, we need to give it time and we need to give it attention. And if we spend every day, like I know some of us tend to do, rushing from one thing to the next, uh, constantly distracted, our, distracting ourselves with tasks, with technology, you know, go to watch TV at night and you're watching YouTube on your phone at the same time, like I tend to be guilty of. Uh, if we don't give the deep questions in life proper time, proper attention, if we don't spend time on rich introspection, as Noble says, we're unlikely to come away with very well thought through beliefs, I think. So my question for us is, have you, have you wrestled with some of these big questions. And that's, that is a challenge for us as we think about what we believe. It's a challenge when we think about uh, encouraging our kids and youth to have a thought through faith, given they're growing up in a technological age. And of course, it's also a challenge when we think about evangelism and telling our friends about Jesus because we actually need, work, need to work out how we can 
encourage other people to stop and take time and ask those big questions in life. Well, maybe 2020 and coronavirus has actually done some of that work for us, right? I reckon lots of people are asking some big questions at the moment. Anyway, let me leave that as a challenge to you. Are you convinced that the gospel is true? Are you convinced that the gospel is true? And if so, why? Have you thought it through? Is it a thick kind of belief? Why do you believe what you believe? And I think, by the way, there are many reasons why you might believe that Christianity is true. You might believe because how you've seen God working in your life. You might believe for philosophical reasons, historical reasons, a combination. Uh, But as we finish, I just want to give you one quick reason why I think we can be convinced that the gospel message is true. That's our third point, the authenticated message. Let's just wrestle with this for for a few more minutes. I think one reason we could give is why, to why we believe what we believe. One reason we can give is that God has authenticated the gospel message in history. God has authenticated the gospel message in history. And let me, let me explain what I actually mean by that for a minute. Uh, we've talked a bit about Acts chapter 4 and uh, the reaction to the healing of the lame man, all that controversy. Uh, let's just go back for a minute and think about the healing itself uh, back in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1, you have Peter and John. They're going to the temple. They're off to pray. And as they go into the temple, there's a lame man sitting there, sitting at the gate as he does every day. Now, when I I worked in the city a few years ago, I'm sure some of you have found this too. Um, I normally used to walk from the train station to my office, kind of via the same route every day. Uh, And pretty much every morning, there was a homeless man who was sitting there as I walked past on a bench uh, that I walked past every day. Sometimes I'd I had stopped and talked to him and, and offered some help and uh, that sort of thing, but not, not often. He was there every single day, and it's that kind of thing, right? Peter and John go into the temple, and every day there's the beggar by the gate, uh, the lame man. And I think an interesting question to ask of this lame man is, actually, why hasn't this guy been healed before? Right? Because actually, Jesus' followers met in the temple every single day, so they probably walked past this guy all the time. And in fact, Jesus visited the temple a whole lot of times too, didn't he? Even Jesus would have surely walked past this lame man multiple times. And so why hadn't he been healed, why hadn't he been healed before? I think part of the answer is to this is sometimes we read books like Acts and it feels like there's miracles happening every five minutes. Uh, one thing to remember is that the book of Acts is actually 30 years worth of history compressed down into 28 chapters. When you do that, it maybe seems like miracles are happening a bit more often uh, than is reality. I think the other thing we also find in the Bible, what I think is true of miracles today, uh, I do think miracles still happen, but I also think they're they're rare and we certainly can't expect or demand them. Uh, We also have to be cautious because Christians can start to get kind of obsessed with miracles and neglect the bread and butter of the Christian life, faith, uh, reading God's word, prayer. Uh, But what we find in the Bible is that miracles seem to occur at particular times for particular reasons, and often it's about more than the miracle itself. Particular times, particular reasons, and often it's about more than the miracle itself. So take take the miracle that we've heard about this morning, the lame man. Why Why didn't God heal this guy earlier? Why this day? Why this particular time? Think for a second about what the miracle does. Obviously, it Obviously, it changes the lame man's life, of course. But what else? First of all, it provides Peter with this 
wonderful opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus with the crowds of people. And secondly, the miracle proves to everybody listening that the message Peter is speaking is authentic. They know this lame man. He's been sitting at the temple gate every day for 30, 40 years. Everyone knows who he is, and now he's walking around healed. They know this is legitimate, and so they listen to the gospel message, and thousands come to believe in Jesus. So the miracle, it's, it's so much more than just healing the lame man, isn't it? It's a miracle which provides an opportunity for the gospel to be spoken. It's a miracle that authenticates the gospel message. It's a miracle which shows to everybody that the gospel is true. And you might say, by the way, well, excellent, great for Peter and John. They were there 2,000 years ago and they saw the layman healed. And uh, of course, it's easy for them to believe. Of course, they're going to push through the pain barrier and tell other people about Jesus. Easy for those who were there at the time. Maybe it doesn't make so much difference for me in 2020. But I do want to say to that, um, notice some of the detail. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, obviously, and the book of Acts, he gives us so much detail. Even in this passage, he tells us things like, it was three o'clock in the afternoon, verse one. It tells us the name of the gate uh, that the man sat by in verse two. He mentions that it's the right hand that Peter and John lift up the man by in verse four. Everyone recognized him, verse 10. It's, he gives the name of the place that they all ran to afterwards, verse 11. Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, has clearly researched this carefully. And when 20 or 30 years later, the, uh, Luke publishes his book and the people who read it, the, the people who read it, they would have been they would have been eyewitnesses or they would have known eyewitnesses. They would have known people who were there 20, 30 years ago, who were there in Jerusalem and actually saw this healing take place. They knew what they were reading was the truth. If it wasn't the truth, no one would have taken books like Acts seriously, but they knew it was true. And so people believe, believed. And the book of Acts was passed down to us. It's historically reliable. And we, we may not see miracles very often today, but we can look back at God's word and know that in history, God has attested to the truth of the gospel message. So, are you convinced? Are you convinced that the gospel is true? Have you thought it through? Why are you convinced? Perhaps one good reason might be that you can see how God has attested to the truth of the message in history. And if you are convinced, are you ready to speak to others about what you know is true? Are you ready to endure some pain if you have to? Are you ready to push through that pain barrier like those cyclists in the Tour de France? Are you ready to keep sharing because you know that the message is true? You're convinced, you've wrestled with it, and you're willing to play your part as we think about what it means to be a church on mission. I'm going to pray for us. Then we're going to change tact a little bit and I'm going to invite Colin up and Colin's going to share his story of why he is convinced uh, that the gospel is true. Let me me pray. Father God, we thank you that 2,000 years ago on that day when Peter and John went to the temple, they chose to heal this man. We thank you that because of the miracle, people got to hear the gospel about Jesus. We thank you that they believed the gospel about Jesus. We thank you that they passed down the gospel message and that we can hear it today and believe it. Help us as we think about how to keep passing on that gospel message to others. 
Help us to think it through, to wrestle with it, and to be convinced that it's true. Amen.